like that. You Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to this, like this what day is it? Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Sorry in advance. My brain is a little scrambled right now, so if this show comes off very bad, I greatly apologize. But we've got so many cool things to talk about today that I was like, oh, okay, well, wait, 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 we should probably record an episode today. Even though it probably isn't the smartest idea, because I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping this is wrong. I'm hoping this is wrong, and it's not often you hear a host of a radio show or a podcast say that they think a show is going to absolutely suck ass before it's even started. I've just got that thought in the back of my head that this show's not going to be very good, but that's beside the point. And if that doesn't get you sucked into the Logan Blackman Show, I don't know what will. And while you're getting sucked into the Logan Blackman Show, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman. You can find the Instagram account and my personal account, Blackman Logan. And then you can also find the show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1. Then you can go on Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Both of them will pop up. Give them a thumbs up on the YouTube on the Facebook page, my bad. And subscribe to the YouTube channel. Watch a couple videos if you feel intrigued to or enticed to. And leave a few thumbs up on those videos. And of course, again, you're listening to the show right now. Make sure you're following the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. If you're listening to this and you're not subscribed, that means, that, hey, at least you're following me on one form of social media, at least. But make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a rating out of five stars on both. We have reached 15 ratings on Apple Podcasts, so I would greatly appreciate it if more of you threw in some more rankings. We're trying to get to 20 rankings here soon. Out of 210 episodes, that's a lot of episodes, and that's just on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's not even on, like... The, the 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 history, the full history of the Logan Blackman show, because this thing has been going on since my freshman year of college. Went from one day a week, and then we did three days a week, and then for some stupid reason, now we tried three days a week, or we did three days a week for two hours, and then it went to five days a week. You know taxing a show that you're not getting paid for? That's five days a week is? <laughs> that's a lot of time to dedicate to something like this. And then COVID and then we shorten it to three days a week. And I feel like it's at the perfect time right now because I know a lot of people out there. I know there's there's the anomaly out there that will listen to a full two-hour podcast of just one person. But and most of the time, it's not. <laughs> these people my age are not going to really listen to a two-hour long podcast hosted by one singular person with no interviews and just no one else being on the show. I know what I think. Well, I think I know what my age group <laughs> is like. But this show today, I am excited for today. I was mostly excited because we had Mock Draft 2.0 come out on Monday. And if you haven't checked that out, you can go check it out on the LoganBlattmanShow.com. You can also find links on my Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter accounts. So if you want to go search those or just, you know, search the website, you can go to the blog section on the website or scroll down on the main page and there's a new post tab. You can click on that. It'll take you to the blog post right away. And then today happened. So I was super excited. I was super duper excited to talk about my mock draft, and I still am. T- I mean, I still am excited to talk about the mock draft because it's a mock draft. You put a lot of time and effort into this thing. You're excited to see what the results look like, if people view it, and stuff like that. It's, it's an exciting time to release a mock draft. And I'm not speaking for the likes of like Daniel Jeremiah, Tom McShay, Mel Kiper, uh, Bucky Brooks, Matt Miller, those guys. But for me, it's an exciting time to release a mock draft. Now, my my audience is not as big as some of the other people out there, but. It's fun. It's still very, very fun. But today, Tuesday, uh, March 8th, I almost said November 8th, March 8th, uh, kind of threw a giant wrench 
into the mock draft because there are two things that happened here. Now, the first thing that happened, I thought was going to be the only thing we we're going to talk about today. The first thing that happened is that Aaron Rodgers re-signed with the Green Bay Packers or signed a new contract with the Green Bay Packers. Now, I don't know what the exact numbers are because I saw something earlier that said four-year, $200 million extension. But then I've also seen things that say those numbers aren't exactly accurate. So I don't know what the numbers are exactly for Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about the Packers first, okay? They also franchised Devontae Adams, which is a very big move for a team that is the second worst cap situation in the NFL. They got the reigning MVP back and one of the, if not the best receiver in the entire NFL and Devontae Adams back on a franchise tag. That's damn impressive. That's really damn impressive. Now, the question surrounding Aaron Rodgers and his future, I feel like we're kind of shot down last week. I know that we were kind of entertaining the fact that Nathaniel Hackett was hired as the Denver Broncos' new head coach, which was Aaron Rodgers' last offensive coordinator. So a lot of people, and including myself, were like, okay, this has to be the location Aaron Rodgers is going to go to. He's going to go. If he goes anywhere, he's going to Denver. It was basically Denver or he's going back to Green Bay. I didn't really buy the thing about the Commanders, the Steelers, uh, the Colts were also mentioned up in there, but I think that was just because of his links to the Pat McAfee show and stuff like that. And that's, ironically, that's who broke the news that Aaron Rodgers signed the new deal with the Packers with Pat McAfee because <laughs> Aaron Rodgers called him. Because today, for those of you aren't aware, I mean, not, well, not when you're listening to this, but when, for me right now, Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. So every single Tuesday, Pat McAfee has Aaron Rodgers on. And Rodgers, of course, getting the contract signed. So Rodgers calls McAfee and tells him all that stuff. And yeah. Kind of cool that Pat McAfee was the one that broke it. I love listening to the Pat McAfee show. But the thing is with this, not only did they re-sign Aaron Rodgers, okay, or get Aaron Rodgers on extension and re- mend all the supposed issues surrounding Aaron Rodgers' situation with him, the GM, the owner, not the owner because it's my uncle's an owner of the Green Bay Packers, but just the team in general, and now he's going to finish out his career as a Green Bay Packer. And I think something had to do with this because of the fact, well, dude won back-to-back MVPs, and you saw what Tom Brady did while being older than Aaron Rodgers, going down to Tampa, winning a Super Bowl. Now, I know circumstances are different in Tampa Bay, or were in Tampa Bay at that time than they are in Green Bay right now. But the thing is that's going to be interesting to watch is what happens to Jordan Love, who is slowly but surely, and it's been coming for the past two years, as many many years as Jordan Love has been in the league, Aaron Rodgers has won that many MVPs. So it was going to be very hard. This isn't a Trey Lance-Jimmy Garoppolo situation where Jimmy Garoppolo is extremely limited on what you're getting from a franchise quarterback or just a quarterback in general. I wouldn't consider Jimmy G uh, a franchise quarterback, even though that was what he was originally paid like was a franchise quarterback because he went, what, 6-0 and or 7-0 and in his first seven games with the 49ers or something like that. But th- this is not that situation. The Packers didn't need to draft Jordan Love. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers was 36 years old, which is ironically the exact same age Brett Favre was when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers. The difference is... At that time, Rodgers did not toy with the idea of retirement. It, didn't, it took until Jordan Love got there that Rodgers was considering retirement. So it wasn't like something that was happening for years and years, like, oh, this might be Brett Favre's last game. Like Brett Favre got carried off the field by Aaron Rodgers at one point. Brett Favre had three send-offs in Green Bay, maybe four, because they drafted Aaron Rodgers. And that was a value thing. They didn't trade up to get Aaron Rodgers. They stood pat. And drafted Aaron Rodgers at, I think, 24, because I think Jason Campbell was 25, went to Washington from Auburn. They traded up to get Jordan Love. And they looked at all the needs on their roster. And granted, A.J. Dillon turned out to be a very nice player. He's been, he had a very, very nice season last year, but the Packers didn't do anything in regards to getting Aaron Rodgers more wide receivers. 
They got Amari Rodgers in the draft this year in the third round, and most people considered that like a meme or a jab at Rodgers because, look it, we got you a wideout, and his name's A. Rodgers. Now, obviously, Amari Rodgers is a very talented wide receiver, and I hope he comes good in the NFL. But the Packers needed a wide receiver in the first round. Now, I completely understand why they went out and drafted Eric Stokes last year in the first round, but a lot of people were really upset because it wasn't a wide receiver. But Eric Stokes, cornerback, was a position of need. You just watched Kevin King get torched by Adam Humphreys in the NFC Championship game. So cornerback was a need, especially cornerback with speed, and that's exactly what Eric Stokes is. But Jordan Love, like I was, during that draft process, I really like Jordan Love, okay? I would like to state this first. I really think Jordan Love is an uber-talented quarterback. And I think once he gets a full-blown shot in the NFL, he should be good to go because I think he's that talented. I think sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for two years will have done wonders for him. Because if you look at Aaron Rodgers' career and Phillip Rivers' career, they didn't come in the NFL playing right away. Rivers sat for two years. Rodgers sat for three. And both of them had future Hall of Fame quarterbacks in front of them. So this isn't anything really that new. Jordan Love sitting for two years, now possibly three years, behind an eventual Hall of Fame quarterback. But right now, with Rodgers signing a potentially four-year extension, Jordan Love's no longer going to be a Green Bay Packers quarterback. There's no way he can be a Green Bay Packers quarterback. And there's some reports going around that the Packers have little to no faith in Jordan Love, which I don't know how you could establish that since you haven't seen him play an actual game. Because there are players out there, and this can be a rightly, you could view rightly or wrongly here, but there are players that play a whole hell of a lot better than what they practice like. And I don't know if Jordan Love just can't pick up the playbook or stuff like that, but there were some concerns about Josh Allen as well from the Buffalo Bills, or at least reports that Josh Allen wasn't picking up the playbook as fastly as what they were anticipating he would during his rookie year. Now I know Jordan Love is now in his eventual third year, and Josh Allen ended up playing the second game of his rookie year but again, circumstances change, and I think Jordan Love, given an opportunity somewhere, could develop into a very nice quarterback. I remember at the time, when he was leaving Utah State, people were coming out and saying he has the talent of Patrick Mahomes. And I would come on this show and talk about Jordan Love in that aspect and go like, let's make one thing clear. And I've stated this a thousand, a thousand, a thousand times on this show. Maybe a million times. It's been a, We've stated it a lot. Talent and actually being a good quarterback are two completely different traits. Like Jordan Love, yeah, he can have the talent of Patrick Mahomes. That does not mean in any circumstance that he will become, guaranteed, become the next Patrick Mahomes. That does not mean that at all. You know how many next Lionel Messi's there have been? How many of them compare to Lionel Messi? I know it's a different sport, but there you get comparisons all the time. And sometimes they pan out to be good players. Other times they pan out to not do anything at all. Like if you're going back to the 1998 NFL draft, Ryan Leaf was more talented than Peyton Manning. But Peyton Manning knew how to handle criticism. Peyton Manning knew it was a thousand times more mature. Ryan Leaf had a stronger arm. Ryan Leaf was bigger. Ryan Leaf was more mobile. But Peyton Manning's a thousand times the quarterback Ryan Leaf is, and was, and ever will be. <laughs> like Malik Willis. You look at someone like Malik Willis, you would definitely say, he is more talented than Eli Manning. Like, just on a talent level. That doesn't mean Malik Willis will ever become as good as Eli Manning and win two Super Bowls and two Super Bowl MVPs, one of five players in NFL history to do that. But Malik Willis has got special talent, and Jordan Love kind of falls in that same category of a mobile-ish quarterback. I'm not going to say he has the speed of Malik Willis or Lamar or Kyler or 
Michael Vick or someone like that, but he can move similarly to that of Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, where he can move well, he can roll out of the pocket very nicely, contort his body in any way possible to get a throw off. His arm is very flexible, so you can see him make all these great throws. Just go watch some of his stuff he did at Utah State during this uh, sophomore year, because I think he left his junior year, because he had a pretty big downturn in regards to his stats, if I'm remembering correctly. I think he had like close to 30 touchdowns one year, and then 17 touchdowns, 10 picks the next year, or something like that. I gotta... It was something along those lines. Hold on, I'm trying to... He had, th- okay, 32 touchdowns, six picks, and then 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. So I got the zero right, but I had the numbers flipped around. So he lost some people that year. And he also dropped down seven touchdowns. He went from seven touchdowns a sophomore year to zero the next year. His completion percentage went down. His passing numbers went down. His yards per attempt went down. Touchdowns down. Interceptions up, which is not what you want. Rating down. Uh, rushing attempts up by almost 40. Yards up, and then minus seven on touchdowns. Jordan Love, I think, is really talented. And I hope he gets a full chance. And I feel bad for bashing him for that. Well, I didn't bash him. I guess I was kind of one that came out and defended him. But I feel bad for him after that Chiefs game. Arrowhead is a very tough place to play. And I know the Chiefs defense at that time was seen as a borderline laughing stock. But that crowd can change things. I've been to Arrowhead on uh, five or six occasions. And that place can change how you view things, how you're thinking, and stuff like that. It can carry the Kansas City Chiefs at times. And has done numerous times. That Bills-Chiefs game, if they're playing in Buffalo, there's no way the Bills or the Chiefs win that game. I'm 100% confident in that, in the playoffs. Because that crowd carried the Kansas City Chiefs at points in that game. So I'm not going to judge Jordan Love too much off that, even though he did not have the greatest game of all time and looked pretty bad, especially since the defense played pretty well that day. I think the final was like 17 to 10. Very boring game, if I remember. I didn't watch the whole thing, but because I'm, I'm not a Pat fan of the Packers or the Chiefs. <laughs> but Jordan Love's gone. Jo- Jordan Love's as good as gone. If he's not gone, I will be completely shocked. And I saw this on Twitter. I think it was from Matt Miller, who we've talked about before. He was a former Bleacher Report draft guy. Now he does some work for ESPN, also does some solo stuff for the NFL draft. He said that Jordan Love should get traded before the draft. Yes. should get traded before the draft, especially with how the reports are saying people are viewing this quarterback class, where it's supposedly the worst quarterback class of all time next to the 2013 class, which saw one quarterback go in the first round. I think you could also compare it to the Jamarcus Russell, Brady Quinn draft class. I think that was 2007. You can go to 1999 or the 2000 draft, 1999, Uh, the Tim Couch, Achilles Smith draft. Like you can look, I know they had Donovan McNabb in there, but People are not viewing this quarterback class with a great bit of light here. I think there's some talented quarterbacks in this class, but I think Jordan Love would definitely be considered, if we're talking about when he came out, I would he would be a top three quarterback in this class. And he was the fourth quarterback in his class. So maybe he pushing to, now, no, he'd probably be number three. If I'm looking back at it now, he'd probably be number three. But sitting behind Rodgers, I think, had to help. I refuse to believe that sitting behind Rodgers did absolutely nothing for his career. I refuse to believe that. With how much talent he had coming in, I think it would only be nurture. I don't know. I guess I don't know Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love's relationship. From what I could tell, it's a good relationship. Sounds like they joke together quite a bit, but I don't know. I think Jordan Love can be a good quarterback. Now, where does he go? I have no idea. I would assume a team like the Washington Commanders would definitely be looking at that because apparently they were they they offered a trade for Patrick Mahomes. Like they were all over the place in regards to trades. 
Like they were trying their damnedest to get themselves a franchise quarterback. Whether you're asking one of the one of the what three untouchable quarterbacks in the NFL and Patrick Mahomes, like I could see him definitely going there. I could see him possibly going to the Indianapolis Colts. I could see that as a possible option. I could see him going to Tampa. I think he'd be kind of fun to watch down in Bruce Arian's system. Maybe the Saints, our team of Saints, were linked with him before the draft. I thought he'd go to the New Orleans Saints during the 2020 NFL draft. I thought that was where he was going to go. They had the 24th pick, I think. Jordan Love went 26th, I believe. Hold on. See what they drafted Caesar Ruiz from Michigan, the guard, guard center. Yeah, they got they went 24. So I thought he was going to go to the Saints. So the Saints would be my, I guess, preferred destination for him. But I think let the team like the Commanders with how linked they are to quarterbacks. I think it just be it makes too much sense for them to go there. But selfishly, for my prediction to come true three years later, I would like him to go to the New Orleans Saints. Because again, he is too talented to sit another year. Behind a quarterback, that not just another year. Rodgers don't look like he's retiring anytime soon. This dude, and we're talking about just playing. Obviously, mentally, he's talked about retiring and doing other things. But if we're looking at what he has done on the football field, Aaron Rodgers don't look like he's retiring anytime soon. Dude's won back-to-back MVPs. Dude uh, not retiring soon. <laughs> and the other team that, um, that was kind of linked to Jordan Love to a certain extent was the Denver Broncos. Because of the fact, again, if you can't get Aaron Rodgers, you brought over Nathaniel Hackett, you might as well get one Packers quarterback out of this situation. But no, they didn't get a Packers quarterback either. This happened, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes after Rodgers signed the deal? Maybe an hour? Like, it wasn't long after Rodgers signed the deal that the Denver Broncos announced a trade for freaking Russell Wilson. Like, Russell Wilson, to me, has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL throughout his time in the NFL. One of the most consistent quarterbacks in the NFL, the Seahawks, until last year when he got hurt, had never had a losing season with him as their starting quarterback. Never had a losing season. If any other quarterback, no, I I I shouldn't say any other quarterback, if a very immobile quarterback was playing for Seattle at the times Russell Wilson was playing for him, they wouldn't have won anything. Their O-line has consistently been, for the better part of five years, six years maybe, one of the worst, if not the worst, unit in the entire NFL. Yes, I know they had the Legion of Boom and they won the Super Bowl in 2013, but their O-line has been garbage. Garbage, gar- like below garbage. And how many injuries they've had on this team, and this yet somehow, until last year, they finally had a losing season. It was like, damn time, you guys have a losing season. It was written in the stars for years, and somehow Russell Wilson was willing you guys to victories. It's like when we talked about a few weeks ago with Matthew Stafford being mentioned in the Hall of Fame and people bringing up Russell Wilson in this category. No, Russell Wilson is clear of Matthew Stafford. Russell Wilson has been considered a top-five quarterback for most of his career. Like I consider when he's healthy, obviously I didn't have him in the top-five ratings of my last quarterback rankings, but when he's healthy and fully ticking, he's a top-five quarterback easily. Now, I know we've talked about before uh, last year during COVID, or 2020, I guess, Colin Coward has the, had him as the number one player in the NFL, which I did not agree with, but I still like Russell Wilson. I still like Russell Wilson. And it pains me that he went to the Denver Broncos. Pains me because I hate the Broncos. And one other thing I hate about this whole trade is that he went to the AFC, and it makes all the sense in the world. I'm not saying like this logistically makes no sense whatsoever that Eric, that Russell Wilson 
why did he go to the AFC? No, the Seahawks were obviously not going to trade Russell Wilson to an NFC team. Obviously. He's the greatest quarterback in your franchise. You're not going to give him to a team that is going to be competing with you for playoff bursts, and especially not division, which I've never understood division traits anyways. I know they're kind of funny at times, like last year in the 2021 NFL draft, we had the Eagles jump the Giants to draft Devontae Smith. They traded with the Cowboys to draft him. So it was like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of situation. But Russell Wilson was not going to the NFC. Like, I know Matthew Stafford went from an NFC team to another NFC team, but the Lions knew they were not competing with the LA Rams on any front whatsoever. Like, the Seahawks and the Washington football team, I believe, had the exact same records last year. You're not going to a team that is literally the exact same as you, record-wise, and then saying, yeah, here's our quarterback. And apparently, Washington offered them three first-round draft picks for Russell Wilson. And Wilson, of course, is from that general area. I know he was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, but he was from went to high school around Virginia, in Richmond, Virginia. So people were talking about that link there. But yeah. This is a monster, monster, monster trade. And there was some report a couple days ago that I saw that I was like, Russell Wilson wants to stay on the West Coast. I know Denver's not technically on the West Coast, and they are mountain time as opposed to Western time, but that is, that's, that's pretty much no other team on the West Coast is going to trade for you. Look at some of the other teams that reside on the West Coast. Like, you ain't going <laughs> to the Raiders. I mean, you could have gone to the Raiders, I guess, but you ain't going to the Chargers. You ain't going to any team in your division. Niners, Rams, or Cardinals. So, yeah, the old, the westernmost team that he was likely to go to was Denver because they were a team that everybody considered to be a, quote, quarterback away. That was what the situation was. The Broncos have so much talent on this roster, insane amounts of talent that they built over the years. The one thing they could not figure out for the life of them was the quarterback situation, and they were linked with quarterbacks all offseason last year whether it was Stafford, whether it was Rodgers, whether it was Deshaun Watson, whether it was Russell Wilson. So I'm not terribly surprised that Russell Wilson, the quarterback, they ended up trading to Denver because this wasn't something that, like the Stafford thing last year, I felt like Stafford going to the Rams just popped up out of freaking nowhere. Like I remember everybody thinking or most people thinking that he was going to like the Colts or something. Like, I don't remember him being linked to the Rams until, boom, he's going to the Rams. And then Jared Goff is coming the opposite direction. A former first overall draft pick that got the Rams, or was part of a team that got to a Super Bowl and eventually lost the Super Bowl. But this team's ridiculous. And every single, like, league ranking list has been adjusted insanely to now where Denver is widely considered a top three team in the NFL. That is the very definition of being a, quote, quarterback away. They literally traded for a quarterback. They finished last in their division. They traded for a quarterback, and boom, now they are third place in the entire NFL or a top three team in the NFL. That is insane. Like, their O-line is relatively good. It's not that bad. It's a pretty underrated unit. Garrett Bowles has developed really pretty nicely the past couple seasons. And you got Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, very underrated wideout in Tim Patrick. And then K.J. Hamler working from the slot. Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon's a free agent, but I would be kind of, I wouldn't be surprised they brought him back because it worked really well last year with him and Javante Williams. And then on defense, their secondary, Patrick Sertan, Justin Simmons, Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller, Bryce Callahan. Linebackers are a little weak, but Bradley Chubb, 
Like, you got some good players on this. Shelby Harris got traded. He was a part of the trade. So he's going to Seattle, and I feel kind of bad for the players that got shipped over to Seattle. Because, uh, wow, you were ready for a Super Bowl to come to Denver, and then, bam, <laughs> get the quarterback. But it turns out, oh, wait, you're going to be a guy that goes to this team, <laughs> the other team. So now this opens up the door for all the other players on the Seattle Seahawks to get traded. And it's funny that Jamal Adams, and we have made fun of Jamal Adams numerous times on this show for being a Jets player, for saying basically bashing Josh Allen every chance he got and then losing to Josh Allen, much like Jalen Ramsey was 0-2 against Josh Allen. Jamal Adams lost his first game with the Seattle Seahawks against the Buffalo Bills last year. And, um, yeah, got a monster trade for him from the Jets. The Jets got a monster trade for him. And then now the Seahawks are picking, would be picking 10th in the draft. And now the Seahawks are picking ninth. So if you look at it that way, the Jet, the Seahawks actually got better out of the situation. <laughs> they would be picking 10th. Instead, they're picking ninth. So look at that. Winners stay winning. That's the Seattle Seahawks way right there. But man, like Metcalf is going to be on the trade block. Tyler Lockett is going to be on the trade block. I don't know if Jamal Adams is going to be on the trade block or not. I don't know who's going to be willing to give up that type of ransom for Jamal Adams. But man... This trade is freaking massive. This is one of the biggest trades in NFL history. Not necessarily in like the... I, I wasn't like sitting back and going, oh my God, like clutching my chest because, oh my God, I can't believe this actually happened. It's massive because of what is all involved. There is so much, so much involved in regards to what Denver is sending to Seattle. Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two first-round draft picks. Uh, 2022, which again, ninth overall in the 2023 draft class. Two second round picks. So you got the number 40 overall pick in 2022 and in 2023. And a 2022 fifth round draft pick to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson on a 2022 fourth round draft pick. There is a lot in that trade. Like, do I consider this a monster, like, groundbreaking trade? Maybe. Maybe the, the Broncos go on to win a Super Bowl and stuff. But it pisses me off. It pisses me off. Because again... I don't like the Broncos. Broncos have always been one of my least favorite teams in the NFL. That's why it pained me to see Peyton Manning go to Denver. Because I had a Peyton Manning Colts jersey. I didn't want Peyton Manning to go to the Denver Broncos, and he did. And now, I've got to deal with Russell Wilson coming to the AFC. Why, all of a sudden, are all the good quarterbacks in the AFC? Why? Why are all the... Why is there no... Apart from Roger Stafford and... What? Prescott? Who were... The top five quarterbacks in the AFC shite on the top five quarterbacks in the NFC. Like, it's not even close. If you were ranking the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, the only one from the NFC that even sniffs that is Aaron Rodgers. Like, I know some people are going, again, romanticizing the situation, saying Matt Stafford's a top five quarterback. He's not. But we're romanticizing the situation here. Like, there were three or four weeks in a row where Matt Stafford threw a pick six. Like, I get he won a Super Bowl. I know everybody's happy that he won a Super Bowl, but he's not a top five quarterback. Like, the top five quarterbacks in the AFC right now, in no particular order, are Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson. Those are your top five quarterbacks in the AFC. I think you've also got Lamar Jackson roaming around through there, who's one of two unanimous MVPs in NFL history. And then in the NFC, you've got Roger Stafford and... Dak, Kirk Cousins, and then what? Oh, Kyler's in there as well. I kind of forgot about Kyler being there. <laughs> but, yeah. 
It's not close. <laughs> you can't really throw a fifth one in there. Like what? Matt Ryan? Blaine Gabbert? Cam Newton? He is back, but Cam Newton? Goff? Jalen Hurts? Heineke? Daniel Jones? <laughs> I I think Trey Lance could get there someday, but not right now. But, man, why are all the good quarterbacks in the AFC? The AFC blows. I hate it with every fiber of my being right now. If I'm doing way too early predictions, we're just looking at the AFC side of things because we have to talk about this since Russell Wilson's there. I'm going to go Buffalo winning the AFC East. I think that's probably much the pretty most, uh, well, no, second straight, most straightforward. Tennessee winning the AFC South. That's a, a pretty much a slam dunk for the rest of the eternity until, you know, someone takes their head out of their ass a little bit in that division. But hey, you know what? Joe Burrow got the Bengals to a Super Bowl his second year. Maybe Trevor Lawrence can Daniel, David, jeez, uh, Davis Mills can do the exact same thing. Maybe that's a thing. Davis Mills, Trevor Lawrence take the ti- Texans and Jaguars to the Super Bowl? Maybe, but I, I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. <laughs> a healthy Titans team wrecks this division. And then we got the Bills and the AFC East. And then the NFC, AFC West and the NFC North are tricky, tricky, tricky. Like the Bengals just went to a Super Bowl. Ravens are going to be healthy. They're not going to be as banged. At least you would hope they wouldn't be as banged up as they were last year. Hopefully they figure out their O-line. So O-line reeks. You have the most electric player in the NFL, in Lamar Jackson. And he lead, is one of the top sack leaders. And he played, what, 12 weeks? That is insane. Ronnie Stanley can't stay healthy. Alejandro Villanueva just provided a bunch of lookout blocks the entire season. Bradley Bozeman's a free agent. But, I mean, right now you would still obviously say the Cincinnati Bengals are going to win this division. I mean, recency, they just went to a freaking Super Bowl. They'll improve their secondary. They'll improve their O-line. They're only going to get better. So, like, you would have to stick with the Cincinnati Bengals, even though the Ravens and Browns should be a whole lot better than what they were last year. Browns are banged up as well. Baker Mayfield being back and fully healthy. See how that one goes. If they get some wide receivers out there, get another edge rusher to partner Miles Garrett. Stay healthy. Maybe they're challenging. I don't know what the Steelers quarterback situation is, so I'm not going to include them in this situation right now. And then AFC West. I mean, I'm going to be shocked if it runs if it doesn't still run through Kansas City just because of that's what we've it's been drilled ingrained into our brains at this point. But the Broncos roster is better than Kansas City's roster. Which is crazy to think about. But they also have a new head coach coming in, Nathaniel Hackett who's been the offensive coordinator for a few teams around the NFL. He was the offensive coordinator for the Bills at one point, offensive coordinator for the Packers. And sometimes offensive coordinators that work with great quarterbacks such as Jeff Toole and Aaron Rodgers don't really pan out that well in the NFL. We saw Adam Gase go around the NFL because he worked with Peyton Manning. Josh McDaniels worked with Tom Brady. So sometimes they don't work out. But you got Russell Wilson. This isn't a situation like Adam Gase and uh, Josh McDaniels where you're going to inherit Kyle Orton or Tim Tebow or... I guess he drafted Tim T, but he didn't inherit that. <laughs> and he traded Jay Cutler. So I guess Josh McDaniel kind of dug his own grave there. But then you got Ryan Tannehill, who's fine, fine quarterback. But you're not getting Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. You're not getting those type of guys. Heck, it is. So I'm intrigued to see what he does with Russell Wilson. But, like, their secondary is better. I'm assuming they're going to get some help coming off the edge this offseason. Von Miller teased about coming back to Denver. And now they got Russell Wilson. They actually have a legit shot at winning a Super Bowl this year. Because they definitely didn't with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater being the two quarterbacks back. So it'll be interesting. 
Those are the top two dogs easily. And then I think the Chargers, I don't think that they will slip up like they did last year. I refuse to believe that they'd slip up like they did last year. Chargers are too damn talented and too damn good to slip up and lose this division on the last day of the season against the Raiders, and then lose the likes of the Texans there as well, get crapped on by the Broncos. I don't. That might happen this year, but last year, this past season, that was unacceptable, getting crapped on by the number Broncos. That is unacceptable. So if I had to do way too early predictions, i go, uh, I think the Bills will be the one seed. Again, way too early predictions. And then we will go Denver or KC? Just for, no, we're going to stick with KC. I, I, it has to be Casey. I it has been too ingrained in my head that will be every a lot of things point to Denver. I'm gonna stick with Kansas City, then Tennessee, and then Cincinnati, and then the rest of it goes Denver, Baltimore, L.A. I think that's what the playoffs look like next year. So Buffalo one, Chiefs, Titans, Bengals, Denver, Baltimore, L.A. That's what I'm thinking. This is how I'm sitting here on March eighth. So this could obviously be subject to change because teams will trade. You got the draft coming up in a, a little over a month, a little over a month, a month and 20 days from now because it's on April 28th, I think, is the draft day. But, man, crazy trades. Why is nothing happening in the NFC? Like, why can't these players go to the NFC? Why is it something where they're all coming over to the AFC? The Bills have a hard enough time with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now the Bengals are good. Now the Broncos are good. The Ravens, when they're all healthy, are good. The ba- the Browns should be good. The Dolphins should be decent to watch this year. See how uh, McDonald ro- uh, gets Tua rotated in. Or how he gets them clicking on all cylinders. The Patriots, you got Bill Belichick still there. The Jets should be better this year. Because they're going to rebuild their O-line, rebuild their defense, because their defense stinks. So they got to rebuild that. So they'll be better. Like, every single team in the AFC will be better. Apart from like the Steelers and probably Colts, if I <laughs> like, like I, Texans can't really be as Texan Jaguars. They'll ne- I inevitably I think they'll be better. I think, but there's some things that happened today. Apart from the two big moves that we talked about, Rodgers signing or signing an extension and Russell Wilson getting trained to Denver. Other than that, there were some other things that took place. Like Mike Williams for the L.A. Chargers. He signed an extension today. Very well deserved. He's been a very consistent wide receiver for the Chargers for the past few seasons. Drafted seventh overall in 2018. No, 2017. 2017. And has been a consistent 1,000-yard receiver, one of the Chargers' better deep threats on the roster. Not saying he's the the biggest burner in the world. Like he's the fastest wide receiver in the NFL. But he, gets, he goes deep very well. <laughs> he does it very well. And then Jacksonville... Franchise tag, Kane Robinson. So their two tackle spots are now secured. So when I was saying this mock draft is pretty much thrown in the garbage, that's exactly what I mean. Because not only is Denver not picking at nine anymore, which we knew they were going to get a quarterback this offseason. I didn't really think they'd go after one in the draft. I thought they'd look at somebody in free agency or look at a trade or something like that, which they did, but now we got Seattle at nine. So I don't know what Seattle is going to do because they need an edge rusher and obviously they're going to need a new quarterback. So maybe Trubisky goes out to Seattle. Maybe that's the case. I think that'd be a fun opportunity for him. But then they're going to trade Metcalf. They're going to trade, maybe trade Tyler Lockett. Who the hell knows at this point what Seattle's going to do. And then Jacksonville at number one, franchise tagging their starting left tackle. Kind of rules them out of drafting a tackle. I mean, obviously things could change. You could still draft a tackle. But it doesn't look like they're going to do that anymore. Which then in turn opens up the number two spot for Detroit. Because do they still draft an edge rusher? 
if Aiden Hutchinson hypothetically is the pick at number one, let's who's to say that Malik Willis is in the draft pick at number two? Lions worked with them at the Senior Bowl. Malik Willis wowed some people at the combine, not just in his workout, but what he did in interviews too. My gut right now, if I'm being 100% honest, is kind of saying Malik Willis to Detroit. And I don't know if that's crazy or not. Because again, we talked about this a little bit ago. People are considering this the worst draft class of all time in regards to quarterbacks. So is it crazy to think that Malik Willis would get drafted second overall by Detroit? If Aiden Hutchinson's off the board. Because from what it sounds like, people are slowly but surely falling out of love with Kayvon Thibodeau. Do they draft Trayvon Walker, the, the edge rusher from Georgia, who blew up the combine? Do they draft Kyle Hamilton? They'll need some help in the secondary. Kyle Hamilton to do everything player, but is it too rich to draft a safety at number two overall? Do they draft alignment? They don't really need to, but they could, I guess. Traylon Burks or Chris Olave or something like that. Wide out. They need wide receiver help. No, they'll get that at 32. Or 34, because that's their next pick. So yeah, that that franchise tag in all actuality, like we talk about Russell Wilson changing the draft and everything. No, that franchise tag to Cam Robinson changed the draft. That franchise tag, that has thrown everything off. That has tarnished the entire draft. And I'm very intrigued to see how it all plays out now because that is insane. That because <laughs> I no, I didn't see that coming. I didn't think Kane Robinson would get franchise tag or re-signed. I thought they were going to let him go and draft a tackle first overall, whether it had been a Conwu or uh, Evan Neal. I know someone at Pro Football Focus said Charles Cross. I really didn't see that at all. I think he's clearly a number three tackle in the draft, basically because mostly because he doesn't have a lot of experience run blocking. He's very athletic, very elite pass blocker, but it's kind of giving me – maybe it's – they're not the exact same player – but it gives me a whole hell of a lot of Andre Dillard vibes. And Andre Dillard did not really turn out to be anything in the NFL. He was drafted 21st overall by Philly, and he got beaten out by a 7th round draft pick. So, that's why I'm kind of getting Mike Leach off to tackle. I don't know. I'm not saying I wouldn't draft Charles Cross. I think his athletic ability makes him capable enough to be that top-tier tackle at the next level. But I, I am nervous. I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. I think you know what you're getting more with a Conwu and Neal than what you are with Charles Cross. Like, part of me even wants to put Trevor Penning up there above Cross, but I, the pass-blocking thing is very, very big, and the athleticism from Cross is greater than Trevor Penning's. Even though I'm a former UNI Panther, that is a big thing. He, I, and Penning balled out the combine. Penning absolutely torched the combine, and so did Isaiah Weston. Good Lord, Isaiah Weston, who is a receiver that I love watching at UNI, and I've said numerous times that if he could stay healthy, he would he could be drafted. After what he did at the Combine, I would not be surprised if he got drafted in the late rounds. But the problem is, again, he can't really stay healthy. That's a big issue for Isaiah Weston, is that he can't stay healthy. Couldn't really stay. He got a 1,000-yard season with Bill McIlvain as the quarterback. Played, I bet, like 10 games that year, maybe nine. Didn't really play that much the next year and then struggled with fitness the la- his last year, too. But he's a baller, and he showed out the comment. Like Isaiah Weston, he he led the receivers in bench press. He had a 20, bent out 20 reps on the bench pass, second highest vert out of the wide receivers. And then what did he run in the 40? He ran a 4-4-2-40, decent 40, decent 40. 
And then also posted the, th the third high or second high, joint second highest broad jump or longest broad jump, 10, 11 and a third. Like, that's some good stuff. That's some good stuff from Isaiah Weston. So I, I'm very happy with what he did. I'm very happy. Now, there's a lot of other good players that took place or things that took place at the combine. One thing that wasn't good, though, like the combine's over now, for those of you who are unaware, and I hope you were aware that the combine was over at this point. One thing that wasn't good about the NFL combine was the fact that the 40 times were way off. Like, Chris Alave, I don't know, I can't remember if we if he ran his 40 by the time we were talking about it on the show. If I'm remembering right, I think he did. Like, we were ending the show, and I saw Chris Alave ran a 4 because I was on the NFL's website on the combine thing, and they were refreshing as they went along. Um, From a 4 Chris Alave ended up running a 4 which is not slow at all. It's very fast. But it's a huge difference than a 4-2-6, a 4-3-9. You went from the fastest 40 at the time because then Tyquan Thornton was seen running a 4-2-1, which wound up being a 4-2-8. And we also talked about with the great Dulcich who ran a 4-6-1 and a 4-7-8. How the hell did that work out? How did you have that big of a discrepancy? And he ended up running a 4-7 flat. I think that was what his official time was. But you had two times that were nowhere near each other. But Calvin Austin, I mean, we said he'd run the fastest. He ended up running the third fastest, 4-3-2. Tyquan Thornton ran a 4-2-8. Valius Jones ran a 4-3-1. He improved on his first time. Uh, Calvin Austin did not run a second time. He only ran once. Uh, Christian Watson balled out, which is what we were expecting. I like Christian Watson a lot. He ran a 4-3-6-40. Christian, uh, Garrett Wilson, which kind of surprised me about this. I'm not going to lie. That he ran a faster 40 than Chris Olave. I'm very surprised that he ran a faster 40 than Chris Olave. Like, Alave at Ohio State was seen as the deep threat. Chris, uh, Garrett Wilson was seen as the do-everything type guy. The work-underneath type guy, where Alave was going to hit you deep. And I know it's a 40 time, and I know it's different than, again, we've talked about this before, nor, different than football speed, but that surprised me. That was one of the things that surprised me at the Combine, was that Chris Alave ran a slower 40 than Garrett Wilson. I thought Garrett Wilson, would, or Chris Alave would run a little bit higher than a 4.39. Not 4.26, but higher than a 4.39. Alec Pierce ran a 4.41. That was interesting. He also posted the highest vertical, which is also kind of surprising. Uh, Sky Moore, he improved his draft stock immensely. I, mean, I shouldn't say immensely. Sky Moore was considered like a third-round draft pick anyways. <coughs> and then now he's seen as a guy that is probably going to get drafted early second round. Maybe slip into the first round. I think Christian Watson will be the same thing. Slipping into that first-round category. So, yeah, those were some interesting times. or really good things from the, the receivers. And then we got the 40-yard dash for the D-tackles. This was probably the most, uh, what do you want to call it, hype thing that happened at the Combine with the Georgia guys. I don't know what they're feeding these guys down at Georgia or what they're training them to do, but Jordan Davis, at six foot six, what's his, what was his official weight? 341 pounds. It should be illegal to run a 4.78. It should be illegal. And I know Jordan Davis will never have to run 40 yards in a straight line. He never will have to do that. And, well, there's obviously there's the odd case because what if he scoops and picks up a fumble or something? But it's very rare that it will happen. But good freaking lord, a four seven eight at three hundred forty one pounds, that is insane. And then Devontae Wyatt, who was expected to run a really good forty, ran a four seven seven. Like these Georgia guys. And then Travis Jones, another monster in the middle from UConn, ran a four two nine. Very impressive. So yeah, that, those were freaking. Awesome. That was an awesome time. Jordan Davis also had a 32-inch vertical, which 
makes tons of sense. The second highest vertical at every D tackle in the combine. Like, that makes a ton of sense. <laughs> also posted a dead three broad jump. Like, what the hell? Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. How is that legal to be that big and that athletic like that? And then on the edge rushers, a Trayvon Walker, for as big as he is, former D tackle, formerly weighed 290 pounds. And he played at 275 this past year, came with a combine weighing 272, and ran a 4'5", 140. 4-5-1. So what that tells you, from what people were already considering at this point, Trevon Walker is now a top 10 pick. He was mo- a few people considered him a top 10 pick before, and we had him in the top 10 before this draft happened, but good Lord, 4-5-1. Boye Mafe ran a 4-5-3, and I, what was really funny in the first group, which I don't know why he was in this group, but the first group of linemen, which they break them off into two separate groups. So you got its order of last name. I don't remember what the order is. If it's like A to L or A to M or something like that, and then N to Z. It's, there's some number letter in there that I can't remember what the break off is, but that first group, <laughs> Nick Benito from Oklahoma ran a 4-5-4. It was so much faster than every other person <laughs> in his group. It was like, well, that, this is stupid. Like, why is he? Why was he not running with the linebackers? And then we saw like Amari Barno run a four three six from Virginia Tech. Sam Williams, who we've talked about a few times on the show, ran a four four six in there as well. Uh, David Ojabo ran a four five five, athletic freak as we knew. Uh, Myze Sanders was one that kind of surprised people. He was down twenty pounds. He was six five two hundred twenty eight pounds, and ran a four six seven forty. Two hundred twenty eight pounds. He is almost fifty pounds less than Trevon Walker. And ran a four six seven, where Trevon Walker ran a four five one. That is insane. Like people are kind of upset, or not upset, surprised with Myze Sanders on that time. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson ran a four seven four. Kayvon Thibodeau four five eight. Jermaine Johnson from Florida State ran a four five eight as well. Uh, what other one? Logan Hall ran a four eight eight. What are some Kingsley Anigbare ran a four eight seven. Joshua Pascal from Kentucky ran a four seven seven. So yeah, there were some interesting times there. One thing that I would take away from that, the edge rusher group, is that Kayvon Thibodeau didn't do anything after this. He had 40s and that was it. Which is why people are talking about, oh yeah, um, he's kind of fallen off. So I would not be shocked at this point. And I toyed with the idea of doing it in my mock draft. I didn't end up pulling the trigger on it. But from what I've read the past couple days, yeah, it sounds like Trevon Walker and David Ajabo might have passed Kayvon Thibodeau in regards to how people are viewing them in the combine circuits. And I'll talk about Kayvon Thibodeau, or, um, David Ojabo and Jermaine Johnson in the mock draft because there was something interesting I had to do in there that just made sense to me. So I, I'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, O-lineman, I mean, we already talked about Trevor Penning, blew up the combine, 488-489-40, which was awesome. Love to see that. Ike McConwu ran a 4.93. Charles Cross ran a 4.95. Evan Neal didn't do anything, which wasn't too surprising. I mean, when you're in consideration for the number one overall pick, you don't really need to do a lot. But it would have been nice to see him do stuff. But yeah, there's always some slow times, like Bill Dunkel ran a 4.5 or 4.44. Let's see who the slowest 40 in all the combine was. Was it Dunkel? Oh, it was Noah Ellis from Idaho. 5.66. That is... Was that two twenty seconds of a second slower than Dunkel? That might be wrong. I I don't know how. I haven't done math in a while. I haven't really needed to do it. But all in all, for the combine, 
It was, oh, Brees Hall blew up the guy. Brees Hall might be considered a first-round draft pick now. We said he was the easily the best running back in this draft class, and now people are starting to get on that bandwagon of Brees Hall. And if you're from Iowa, I guess it's kind of easy to say that about Brees Hall being the number one running back in the NFL draft. But some people out there were considering, like, Kenneth Walker or Isaiah Spiller up there. But no, it's always been Brees Hall, and he proved it at the combine. Proved it at the combine. But uh, Tarek Woolen from UTSA balled out at six foot four, big corner, massive, massive corner, two hundred five pounds. He was considered like a late second round draft pick. The dude ran a four two six forty. Dude is, is guaranteed a second round draft pick, maybe early second round draft pick. Now and then, Kalen Barnes from Baylor ran a four two three official time. So yeah, there was some good stuff going on at the combine this year. A lot of very, very fast. Fast people. <laughs> that's, what, that's what. That's what. If you could take anything away from the scouting combine this year, there's a lot of fast football players. A lot of fast football players. Goodness gracious. And again, my draft is done because Cam Robinson resigned. Russell Wilson got traded to Denver. What else happened? Kayvon Thibodeau's tanking his own draft stock. So I don't. I don't know what's going on anymore with the combine or with the draft in general. But right now, again, it looks like Aiden Hutchinson is probably going number one. He was guaranteed to go number two at least. And now it looks like he's going number one. He's the number one player in the draft. If Jacksonville just re-signed Cam Robinson, they're going to go after Aiden Hutchinson, one would, one would assume. Or they're going to trade. But I don't know a lot of teams that would be... There's not If you're trading up in the draft, 90% of the teams, especially if you're the number one overall pick, you're taking a quarterback. And there's not a quarterback really that's worth a number one spot. But again, like we talked about, the Lions working with Malik Willis and, and uh, Mobile down at the Senior Bowl. Malik Willis having great... Stuff at the combine in regards to interviews. Let's not. I I don't think he should be drafted second overall at this point in time, but I would not be shocked by it. You know me. I love myself some Malik Willis, so I would not be shocked at all. And I think in time he'll be seeing that, especially given the fact that most people, according to what they were saying at the combine, were saying that Malik Willis is viewed as someone that needs two years to develop. You got Jared Goff there, like. Jared Goff can play good enough football for two years for Malik Willis to get enough reps in as a backup and then eventually take over as the starting quarterback for the, the Detroit Lions. I don't think that's too far out of the question here. I don't think that's too far out of the question here. But without further ado, let's get into the mock drafts. We have Mock Draft 2.0. Again, it was released on Monday. So you can check it out on all my social media platforms that we mentioned before. And again, you can go and check it out mainly on theloganblackmanshow.com. You can either go to the blog tab or scroll down on the homepage and see new blog post. Click the link right there and she'll take you to the mock draft. It is a long one. It takes 67 minutes. If you read every single word, it takes 67 minutes to read. It took me three weeks to do this thing. Uh, three weeks. Uh, the reasoning probably took about a week because that's when you... Uh, well, okay. There, I run through... I think we did what? So on Wix, you can have a... You have your blog section, okay? And in there, you can go to the draft page. Like, not not NFL draft. Okay, get your head out of there. Draft, like in... Oh, rough draft. So you go through there, and you can create as many blog posts as you want, and then post one finally. So there's about eight or nine drafts in there. In the draft section. <laughs> so... Like, we were rotating a lot of different people around, and you could go to Mock Draft Database or the Draft Network, and you can uh, do your own draft. They'll give you a, a simulator, so you can pick every single, you can pick for every single team, which is, I use Mock Draft Database, so you can go through there, pick players you want to go there. Now, the rankings, sometimes I don't necessarily agree with all the rankings on Mock Draft Database, but 
they're a good starting point, especially if you don't really know what players are really better and what players are worse. Like where they have Trevon Walker kind of concerns me, but that's beside the point. Or at least where they've had him. He was like the 28th ranked player in their draft thing for a while. I think he's 18th right now, but I haven't I haven't checked in a while because I've I haven't needed to make a draft because I already did I did one on Monday or posted it on Monday. So yeah, if you want to do one of those, I would very much recommend it. But this stuff, you don't need obviously don't need to do as much reasoning as I do because I'm kind of a freaking loser when it comes to this stuff. So I take a lot of time. I try to take as much effort, time and effort as possible to make sure it's as good as possible. So I stress out way, way too much about this. Like I made some tweaks over at Monday morning. So I posted it about nine, I think is about when I posted it. But I woke up, I was like, okay, what do I want to do? Because I had some picks that I hadn't finished out the reasoning for. So without further ado, I know I already said that, <laughs> but here is Mock Draft 2.0. And in this draft, in the description at the start, Make sure to link the podcast, so Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so you can check out the draft, and you can subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify account, and you can also check out Mock Draft 1.0. It's on there as well. And, uh, yeah, in this draft, there are two quarterbacks, six wide receivers, five offensive tackles, three interior offensive linemen, two interior D linemen, seven edge rushers, two linebackers, three corners, and surprisingly, based off the past couple drafts, two safeties. Because we haven't had a single safety taken in the first round. In the past two years. Because again, Javon Holland and I think Xavier McKinney from now from the New York Giants, then Alabama, so Alabama and Oregon on the Dolphins and the Giants, I think they were both drafted 36. I think they were both the first safeties drafted in their years. I think. And I don't remember what happened in 2018 or 20, 2019. I don't really remember what happened then. Because I remember vividly because I've I've done enough things with Kyle Hamilton to go, okay, here was the top safeties in the past two years anyways. I guess I need to go back and look at what the top safety was in 2019. What was 2019's draft? Who were the quarterbacks that year? That was the Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones. Oh, so Darnell Savage was taken 21st. No, 20th? When was Darnell Savage taken? Okay, we we got to look this up. Darnell Savage, because he was the first safety taken in this draft, 2019. Okay, he was 21st. Because I remember he was jokingly going to make his number 21, so he's 21 Savage, but he ended up not doing his 26. But I couldn't remember. I thought Andre – so it was Andre Dillard 22 then, and then Titus Howard from uh, – what college did he go to? He's on the Houston Texans now, but he got drafted 23rd because the Eagles jumped the Texans to draft <laughs> Andre Dillard. But, yeah, and then 20, 2018, who would have been 28? So that was the Josh Allen, Baker, Lamar draft. Who would have been drafted then? Was that no Malik Hooker was the year before, and he was he was the first. No, was Jamal Adams that year? Jamal Adams was I think he was twenty seventeen, and he was drafted six overall. Go back. I, this has nothing to do with what anything we're talking about, but yeah, Jamal Adams was sixth overall in twenty seventeen. Who was the first safety in twenty eighteen that I can remember? So I can go through the top ten. <laughs> I'm not. I've got the page up so I can scroll down eventually to look at it. But the top ten in that draft was Baker, Saquon, Sam Darnold, Bradley Chubb. No, 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 no. It was going to be Bradley Chubb. It was Denzel Ward, then Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, Josh Allen, Roquan Smith, Mike McGlinchey, Josh Rosen, Minka Fitzpatrick, number 11. That, that's right. Yeah! Wait. Let's go. And then Derwin James drafted 17th because the chart, the Bills traded up to 16 to draft Tremaine Edmonds. 716, the Bills area code, 716. But, yeah. Can we keep doing this? Let's keep doing it. 2016. Who was the 20, 2016? So Jamal Adams was 20. Okay, well, I got to make sure since I already I already know Jamal Adams was taken first. Do I, was Malik Hooker taken in this draft? Oh. 
Oh, yeah, he was. 2015. Okay. I was going to say, I kind of screwed myself or spoiled it for myself. 2016. So 2016, this is my senior year of high school. This was the Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Zeke Elliott, Jalen Ramsey, sixth overall. Ronnie Stanley, DeForest Buckner, Chris McCaffrey. Wait, no, 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 no. Chris McCaffrey's 2017 because he was drafted eighth. So what did I say the order was again? So it was uh, Goff, Wentz, Bosa, Elliott, Ramsey. Stanley, Buckner, who was eighth? Was Buckner eighth? Who was eighth? Oh my God. Was it Jack Conklin? Because this was Laramie. Laramie Tunzel went 13 because he had the whole gas mask video. So he, I think it was Conklin at eight, nine, because Eli Apple was 10. Who was nine? Vernon Hargraves was 11 because he was from Florida. And Eli Apple getting drafted before him was kind of surprising. Number nine. Oh, John Ross. We talked about that the other day. Um, 12. Who was number 12? Who was number 12? I feel like that was another... Was it? No. My gut says Corey Coleman. No, because Laramie Tunsil was drafted 13th. Corey Coleman was drafted 13th at 2, I think. Um, I'm trying to... Sorry, this is probably not the most enticing thing we've ever done, but it's it's kind of fun for me. Oh, who is... Who is 12? Who was number 12 overall in 2016? Because the Bills drafted uh, Shaq at 17. Shaq Lawson, I think. Could be completely wrong here. Oh, my God. No, Shaq Lawson was in the Jadavian Clowney draft, wasn't he? Yeah. Who did the Bills draft in 2016 then? Because the Bills drafted Marshawn Lynch 12th overall, but it's not this draft. Uh, crap. I can't remember who was 12th. If I had to take a punt in the dark on the first safety taken in the draft, though, 2016. I think Adrian Amos was around this time, but you get drafted the third, third round. I think Eddie Jackson might have been around this time. He might have been 2017. Who would have been 2016 safety? I'm staring at one spot in the wall and hoping that it gives me something here. <laughs> but I remember the top 11. Because I remember, I'll, I vividly, for some reason, vividly remember Eli Apple going before Vernon Hargraves and that being a real shock because Vernon Hargraves at the time was seen as the the number one corner of the draft by some margin, if I remember correctly. Number 12. Tunsil went 13. Conklin went eight because that was a surprise. So the Titans traded up to eight to get Conklin. And everybody thought it was going to be Tunsil, but then Tunsil kept falling. Oh, no. It wasn't Corey Coleman. I think Corey Coleman was this year, but I don't remember what pick he was. And he was a receiver, so I don't know why I'm getting upset with Corey Coleman. I think this – no, this wasn't the Njoku draft. That was 2018. Njoku and um, Evan Ingram, two tight ends taken in that draft. Uh no, that wasn't twenty. That was twenty seventeen. Ah uh, shoot, I can't. I don't know. My my safety knowledge, I guess, ended at twenty sixteen. So let's scroll down slowly. So we got Elliott, Ramsey, Ronnie Stanley, six Buckner, Conklin was eight. Yes, they. Oh, it was from my. Oh no, it was from Cleveland. It was from Cleveland. Leonard Floyd was nine, not John Ross. Huh, I completely forgot about that. Eli Apple was ten. Where where? Wow. I completely forgot Leonard Floyd was there. 
And I was confident it was John. No, because John John Ross got drafted Corey Davis and Mike Williams. Why? Because mm. that that was the Christian McCaffrey draft. Because I remember that because my dad and his friends were betting quarters on the draft and he was talking to me during it. And Leonard Fournette went fourth. Like, I... Mm. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, there was three wide receivers taken in the top ten. Yeah. <laughs> Corey Coleman or Corey Davis, number five to the Titans. Mike Williams, number seven to the Chargers, and then John Ross, number nine to the Bengals. Wow. And then Jamal Adams, sixth. Number one was Garrett. Two was Trubisky. Three was Solomon Thomas. Four was Fournette. Five was Davis. Six was so seven was Williams. Six was Adams. I don't know. <laughs> Eight McCaffrey. Nine John Ross. Ten Patrick Mahomes. Okay, back to this. Okay, Vernon Hargraves eleven. So we got every pick right except for Leonard Floyd, Sheldon Rankins. Yeah, tons. Carl Joseph. Wow. Yeah, I forgot about that. He was like a safety linebacker hybrid. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, he wasn't. Who am I thinking of? Uh, Divine. Divine. Uh, what was his name? He was also from Virginia Tech or West Virginia. He plays for the Raiders now. What is his name? Not Tony. Just take me to the Raiders franchise. I don't care about this. It's not Noel Divine, even though he he did play for uh... – No, come on. Just get me to the Riggin Raiders. <laughs> this is starting to piss me off. I need to figure out who the safety is. This is not what we were trying to talk about today. Who was this safety I'm thinking of for the Raiders? Or am I just completely am I going insane? Which could be a could be an option here. Or is it was his first name Divine? I think it was number five. Divine Diablo. Yes. He was a set. Yes, and he was uh, Virginia Tech. But he was who I was kind of thinking. Carl Joseph. Wow. I completely forgot that dude existed. 14th overall. That is crazy. Good Lord. Okay, we were not supposed to talk about that. We were not supposed to talk about the highest drafted safeties in the NFL, but we did that. Um, so we'll get to him, Kyle Hamilton in a little bit. But number one, now that it doesn't matter because Cam Robinson re-signed, uh, Evan Neal was at the time the number one overall pick. But now it's probably going to be Hutchinson. They needed a tackle to protect Trevor Lawrence. That should be priority number one. They got Cam Robinson back. Now they're going to try and address the defense. At least that's what it looks like. Number two, Hutchinson to Detroit, but again, he's probably going to go number one, so it doesn't matter. But he's the best player in the draft. So basically, the best player of the draft or Malik Willis, I think, is what the Lions will do. Because they don't really need off linemen. We've talked about the Lions O-line before being one of the more underrated units in the NFL, where you've got Taylor Decker, Penay Sewell, Frank Ragnow. When they're all healthy, they're very good off to line. DeAndre Swift at running back, like, they could definitely use some help on defense because they're still recovering from the whole Matt Patricia era who was the Patriots D coordinator supposed to transform the 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 Lions defense, but uh, sucked ass. And uh, with Mark Wahlberg saying he thinks the Lions got the next Belichick, which did not pan out by any stretch of the imagination. But Malik Willis, I think, is a real option there for Detroit. Number three, uh, the Texans taking Kyle Hamilton. This pisses me off now because this draft's irrelevant. This draft really means nothing now. This is not happening anymore. Like, there was a chance this happened, but now it's, it's done. It ain't happening. We should have waited another week. This is awful. <laughs> I'm pissed off. But Hamilton going to the Texans. Basically, you might lose Justin Reed this offseason. Number one safety on the Texans. Nick Casario came from New England. Safety, versatility has been important to the Bill Belichick defense for his entire existence there. Casario worked a long time in the New England Patriots organization. So 
Hamilton's kind of that curveball pick. I think off to tackle is a real shout here because of the fact that Laramie Tunsil looks like he's going to be traded. So I did toy with the idea of Ike McConwu. So I did have a top three of Evan Neal, Aiden Hutchinson, and Ike McConwu going here to the Texans. But I went for the best player. And I think Hamilton's the best player. So I went with that instead. Uh, speaking of Okonwu, I had him going number four to the Jets. I was stuck, really stuck, with him and Thibodeau. Because with Thibodeau, I'll start with Thibodeau first. The Robert Sala came from the San Francisco 49ers. When he got there, even before they got there, they spent like three or four first-round draft picks in a row on defense alignment. Like, you got uh, Eric Armstead, then you got Solomon Thomas, then you got Nick Bosa, then you got Javon Kinlaw, and you also had DeForest Buckner, who I forgot to mention in there. But you had all defense alignment. And you got Javon Kinlaw to replace DeForest Buckner. So, like, he knows the importance of edge rushers. But with Kayvon Thibodeau, the questions about his work ethic kind of threw me off here, especially with the availability of Ike McConwu. And looking at someone like Joe Douglas, who's the GM of the Jets, who is a former off-to-lineman, who knows the importance of building an off-to-line for his rookie quarterback, second-year quarterback, Zach Wilson, who got sacked nine times against the Buffalo Bills defense. That's a pretty damning indictment on how good your off-to-line is. And the Jets, from what reports are saying, that they are, quote-unquote, fed up with uh, Mekhi Becton, so maybe we see Mekhi Becton get traded at some point this offseason and George Fant moving over to the left tackle and Akonwu going to the right tackle. And even if they have um, Mekhi Becton there, which reports are saying that they're going to move Fant to left tackle anyway, so Becton's probably going to play right tackle if he's there. And then Akonwu plays right guard. That's a pretty solid O-line. And I think if the Jets' O-line is healthy, either way, if they have Akonwu or not, is not that terrible. It's not great. But like Fant, Becton, Connor McGovern... Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, like right guard's a hole, but or left guard, whatever they're playing, not playing Vera Tucker's the hole. So options are there, but I think edge rushers. So Trevon Walker, I think, could be a real shout here again. With um, Robert Sala talking about edge rushers, one thing I found on the Athletic talking about Robert Sala, he said that we want to build around Zach Wilson, and people might think of that as regarding the building off the line or getting weapons for him, but instead we were getting beat by like 50 points or 40 points a game. So we need to avoid it from being a shootout. That's another way you can look at from building around Zach Wilson in a sense. So you don't necessarily need to go, oh yeah, we need to build around our quarterback and go, we should draft off to linemen or we should draft wide receivers or a running back and stuff like that. When really you're just getting blown out every single time you play. So getting an edge rush like Thibodeau or Trevon Walker or getting a secondary piece with their 10th pick or even here with Hamilton would be pretty smart. But I think with Joe Douglas being there and the importance of him playing in the offensive line position, and if they're really fed up with Becton, I think Oconwu makes a ton of sense here. At number five, the Giants, I think Walker now, but I I toyed with Walker here at five, but I went with Thibodeau. I think if, at the time, it was like, oh, this is the one of the top players in the draft, but he could fall. I think at the time, it was like, okay, Thibodeau's not falling out of the top five. I toyed with it, and every single time I looked at it, it looked off. I did not enjoy it. So I was looking at it like, oh, my God. Thibodeau at seven feels very weird. So I really just went with what looked nice with this one. But Thibodeau's very athletic. Work ethic questions maybe are there. But if he's there, I would be kind of surprised that the Giants didn't take him. But if Trevon Walker really passes him up, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. Number six. Uh, Kenny Pickett, I this one is probably the hardest pick to predict 
and also one of the easiest picks to predict at the exact same time. And I'll explain here because the Panthers need linemen. Their line stinks. They traded George or Greg, Greg Little to the Miami Dolphins before the season started. He was former second-round draft pick in 2020, drafted one pick before Cody Ford. So both the both those teams didn't really pan out the way they wanted the tackles to pan out. But they need a tackle. So Charles Cross would make a ton of sense. They're very young on defense, so hopefully to improve on that. But And they're looking like they're cutting some caps, so it looks like they're trading Christian McCaffrey at some point. But I don't know. Like, David Tepper, the owner, went to Pitt. He's a Pittsburgh guy. Not only went to Pitt, he's from Pitt. And then Matt Rule recruited Kenny Pickett. And Kenny Pickett, though he has small hands, and though Malik Willis was the one that kind of wowed people in regards to his throwing ability, which we all knew going in, so that shouldn't have really surprised anybody that he could zip the ball. The two people, which I was talking to my dad about this, the two people that had the strongest arm in the draft showed they had the strongest arm in the draft. Like, we knew this going in, Carson Strong and Malik Willis. We knew this. We've said numerous times throughout the show, Carson Strong throws the best deep ball in the draft. And I say that, also saying Malik Willis has the stronger arm. That that might not make a lot of sense, and I've tried to explain this on the show before, but Carson Strong throws a lot more consistent deep ball. I think Carson Strong is very precise on where he throws the football. He just can't move. He has a bad knee and can't really run. So that kind of gives a lot more of edge to Malik Willis, who's a little more erratic with his throw, similar to that of Josh Allen. But that's kind of where that comes from. But Kenny Pickett, I don't think anything really changed in regards to him being the number one quarterback off the board. Now, the Lions having an opening at two and that relationship they've built with Malik Willis kind of opens that door up for that. But as of right now, I still, well, at least at this for this draft's sake, I think there's just too much connections with Kenny Pickett to Carolina, even though they'll need some sort of off-the-line help in there as well. But I think the Sam Darnold contract – also kind of hurts this situation because they accepted his fifth-year option before they even got the trade through. So that was kind of a idiotic thing to do there. So maybe trading for a quarterback is not really the smartest financial situation. Maybe. I could be wrong about that. But getting a rookie quarterback in there I think would probably be smart. And Kenny Pickett's ready to play. Like He played five years at Pitt. So this dude's ready. If you want a quarterback that's ready to play, you're probably taking Kenny Pickett first. If you want an experiment quarterback that'll be probably better in five years, you're probably going to take Malik Willis. So, yeah, I, I just think there's too much connections here to not have Pickett go number six. Number seven, Charles Cross going to the New York Giants. Giants need off to Lyman. I think Thibodeau, if he's available at number four or at number five, the Giants would take him, at least for this draft's, draft's sake. And Charles Cross, I kind of struggled with this in the last mock draft I did. If the Carolina Panthers are picking at six and Charles Cross available, It'll be kind of hard for them to pass up on him. But again, there's too many connections for my liking that says Charles Cross or Kenny Pickett's not going to Carolina. Too many. And Charles Cross, though he's very uh, polarizing in my eyes in regards to he could go anywhere. I don't know where he's going to go because I don't know how people are going to view it because he's kind of coming in that same aspect as Andre Dillard. That is exactly how I'm viewing this because I remember everybody during the 2019 NFL draft everybody was like, this is the most athletic tackle in the draft. He is the best pass blocker in the draft. Run blocking, he's not really experienced with it. It feels the exact same, and he went 22nd. So when Daniel Jeremiah has Charles Cross going 22nd to Vegas, I don't bat my eyes at it and go, what are you talking about? Because I can understand that completely. But I think for a team like the Giants, who are in need of some offensive tackles, and offensive linemen in general, Charles Cross's ceiling is very enticing. But I guess you could say the same thing. They did that with Andrew Thomas, too, and that didn't really work out. So... Yeah, 
They need to get some help on the O-line. If they really believe Daniel Jones is the guy, they got to get some line help. Number eight, the Falcons. I love this pick. This is probably my favorite pick in the top 10. It's Trevon Walker from Georgia. I think this works for the Falcons on multiple levels. So he's 6'5", 272 pounds. We talked about that before. And he's naturally playing as either a 4-3 defensive end or a smaller 3-tech next to Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt at Georgia. Well, he's 290 pounds. With the Falcons running a 3-4 defense, I think this could work perfectly for him because he's kind of like what the Chargers did with Joey Bosa. Now, he's a little bigger than Joey Bosa was when he got drafted, but they used him on the line. They would use him as a stand-up outside linebacker, which is what he's used generally as now. But I think Walker's athleticism, even though he's 272 pounds, which is massive for an outside linebacker anyways, I think it could work beautifully. And the thing is, the two worst factors of the Falcons' defense last year were their run defense and getting after the pass. They had 18 sacks last year. They cut Deontay, Dante Fowler at four and a half, who's their leading sack getter from last year. They were near the bottom in rush yards allowed and rush touchdowns. And Trevon Walker is one of the best run stoppers. Just watch what they did at Georgia last year, that defensive line. Remember in 20, uh, the Daniel Jones draft, 2019, we just talked about that. The Clemson D-line of Cleland Furl, Christian Wilkins, and Dexter Lawrence like, that D-line was seen as, oh, this is the best D-line of all time. This Georgia D-line craps on that diff- Clemson D-line. And that was a great Clemson D-line. This Georgia D-line craps on it. Like, Teron Walker is not se- going to be seen as a reach at eight, and he probably will go higher than eight. But if he's there with the Falcons, they have to take him. They have to. Keep the Georgia guy in Georgia. Number nine, I don't think he's better than a guy I have later, but Jermaine Johnson from uh, Florida State going to Denver. Obviously, this doesn't happen anymore. But... Denver needs help edge rushers, and Jermaine Johnson, much like Javon Walker, very good against the run and the pass, got 12 sacks last year, but kind of exploded, kind of similar to that of David Ojabo. We'll talk about a little bit. Actually, no, we'll talk about Ojabo now, too. I think Ojabo's better, and I think Ojabo's ceiling's higher, but I think just for fit purposes, I liked Ojabo. I have him going 14 in Baltimore. You've got McDonald coming over from Michigan. He was the D coordinator in Michigan last year. He previously worked with John Harbaugh in Baltimore and then worked for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. So he's a Harbaugh guy, but he turned Ojabo to a potential first-round draft pick, a possible draft pick. I guess I could even consider him a possible first-rounder, but turned him into a guaranteed top-15 pick pretty much. I shouldn't say guaranteed, but a top-15 pick. And I think he's more than deserving of going to the top-10. I think his upside says that, but I just think Jermaine Johnson, for what he does, I think it worked better in Denver, and I think Ojabo, with his athletic ceiling and working with McDonald before, helps him out in in Baltimore. So that was basically what happened there. Uh, number 10, the Jets, Ahmad Gardner. I had the exact same Jets pick as the last time. I mean, I had a Colin Wu going four and Ahmad Sauce Gardner going 10 both times. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> they need help in the secondary. Robert Sala worked with Richard Sherman over in San Francisco for a little bit. Big corner. Ahmad Gardner, I think, is the best corner in the draft. So, yeah, 10th overall. They need help in the secondary. Improve the secondary. You've got an offensive lineman. Now you can try and keep teams from scoring 1,000 points on you this year. So, yeah. Need to help Zach Wilson. If you want to help him, get your defense to stop some players. <laughs> uh, number 11, Washington. Uh, Taking Malik Willis, same exact thing as last time. So a few picks in the top 11 are the exact same. Like, I th- uh, Neal's the same. Hutchinson's the same. Akonwu's the same. Pickett's the same. Cross is the same, just different spot. And then Gardner's the same, and Willis is the same. So that's seven-ish spot, six and a half, because we'll give the half point for Charles Cross. Right player, right team. Wrong spot. Just had him going fifth last time. But the Washington needs a quarterback. The Ron Rivera had compared Malik Willis to Cam Newton. I don't know if he'll be here, 
especially again with the whole Cam Robinson thing with Willis possibly going to Detroit now. We're leaving that option open. We're leaving that option open here. So I think he could go before this, definitely, because I think the enticing thing about Willis is, again, give him five years, he'll probably be the best quarterback in this draft class. Same thing with Trey Lance. Same thing with Josh Allen. So it's it's kind of that realm of we're picking the exciting potential quarterback rather than what we know. Like Malik or Kenny Pickett, we know he's going to be ready day one. Malik Willis won't be ready day one. And hopefully he's at a, in a situation where he doesn't need to play right away. And hopefully don't turn on and judge him because I've seen a lot of people judge Trey Lance because Jimmy Garoppolo is there, even though that was the plan the entire season was J- Trey Lance is not going to play. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter. We said that at the draft, and we've said that recently, and we're going to keep on saying it because that's just how things worked. Trey Lance was not ready, so you got a quarterback that's not going to make a whole lot of stupid mistakes. Probably will get hurt at some point. So, yeah. That's the whole situation with uh, with the Jimmy Garoppolo-Trey Lance thing, and I hope that doesn't happen to Malik Willis because it's happened to Jordan Love right now. <laughs> but Malik Willis is awesome. Malik Willis is awesome. Um, any other picks that are kind of surprising to me, at least? Okay, Jordan Davis going to Philadelphia at 16. Uh, Howie Roseman loves his defensive line. And with uh, Fletcher Cox possibly getting traded or possibly getting cut, they're going to need to replace him. So I had them taking Karlaftis from from Purdue at 15 to replace either Graham, to replace uh, Derek Barnett, to replace Kerrigan, one of the edge rushers, and then Jordan Davis to get the D-line. So you got the two defense, the end spot and the interior spots filled out, which is exactly what you wanted. So, Eagles should be looking better. I had Devontae Wyatt going to the Chargers at 17. They're going to take either Davis or Wyatt. I think Davis falls as low as 17. Before the combine, you could have probably seen him fall to the Bills at 25, and that would probably been as low as he goes. But 17 is the lowest. And Devontae Wyatt blew up the combine again. You look at someone like Brandon Staley, who came from a team that had a very – that built their defense line first. He's going to want to do that, especially when you're coming in with the worst rush defense in the NFL from the season prior. I mean, off to tackle is a thing here. I don't think receivers anymore since you've got Mike Williams back. But D-line should be priority number one and then tackle number two. Maybe corner, I guess. But D-tackle should be the number one thing here. Um, anything else that's very intriguing? Trevor Penning's talk about the Iowa boys going number 20 to the Steelers. Same thing as last time. I uh, thought about a quarterback here, but ultimately decided, hey, uh, they need tackles. <laughs> now, what I do think is interesting here is that Malik Willis has been linked a lot with uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers because they were talk- Mike Tomlin was talking a lot to him at the Senior Bowl. And what Malik Willis is, is what Mike Tomlin is supposedly looking for with a more mobile quarterback, but he ain't falling to 20. But one thing we should be able to figure out about Mike Tomlin was after the Senior Bowl last year, I don't know if y'all remember this, but they pretty much said they were drafting Najee Harris like the, out the entire process. It was like, okay, the Steelers are drafting Najee Harris. It never really changed. They said that pretty much right after the Senior Bowl, and it was Najee Harris, Najee Harris, Najee Harris, Najee Harris, until they eventually drafted Najee Harris, and some people were surprised by that. So with them coming out and basically saying Malik Willis is the dude, I would not be shocked at all if Malik Willis was the dude. If they have the trade up to get him, because I don't know if they'll... (laughs) Again, second spot's open. Second spot's available for Malik Willis now. So that's that's an option here. That is an option. So we'll see how that eventually goes. Uh, number 21, this one kind of hurt, but Devin Lloyd. I know on Friday, I think he said he was a top, guaranteed top 10 pick because I think his talent's there. He didn't test very well, which kind of surprised a lot of people. He ran like a 4 7 6 or something like that at the combine, which I'm not saying here and saying that, again, we taught, we made fun of the 40 last Wednesday 
or and last Friday, I think. Whatever it was. We made fun of the 40-yard dash because there's a difference between football speed and 40-yard dash speed. Two different things. That This is not me judging the draft. This is how I think it will go. I know I talked about earlier where I said I like Jermaine Johnson going to Denver more than I like Ojaba going there, but that's also what I think could happen. I, I think Devin Lloyd could go higher, and I think he should go higher. But a lot of teams are going to look at his testing numbers and go, well, he didn't test well, so he's going to fall a little bit. And that's what happened here at 21. Anything else? Uh, the Bills drafting Kenyon Green need to get some help for Josh Allen in the offensive line. I like Ryan Bates, but they need to improve the offensive line a lot. I thought about giving Jamison Williams to the Bills. I think that'd be a lot of fun, especially with them. Probably losing Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley, so they're going to need some help out wide, even though Gabe Davis famously scored four touchdowns in the Bills' loss the AFC cha- or the AFC Divisional round. Felt like an AFC Championship game. And uh, Stephon Diggs being there, but that would be really awesome to see Jamison Williams with Buffalo. But I am going to, to Tampa Bay. Uh, Daxon Hill, the other safety in the draft that we had, going to Kansas City, they have no safeties. Uh, Daniel Sorensen is a free agent. Tyron Matthews is a free agent, and they're going to let him test free agency. Now, Daniel Sorensen should be replaced anyways, and Daxon Hill is the best free safety, natural free safety in the draft. So, and he can also play nickel corner. So, for, this, for Chiefs teams, that secondary was not very good at points last year. They're going to need some help, and I think Daxon Hill could be that guy. Uh, and there's nothing else that's really too surprising here for the rest of it. I mean, Jahan Dotson going to Dem- Detroit, Zion Johnson going to Cincinnati. Uh, Chris Olave for some of the receivers going to, to Vegas. I think he'd fit right in with Vegas. Traylon Burst going to Philly at 19. Garrett Wilson going to New Orleans at 18. Drake London going to the Cleveland Browns at 13. So, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, check it out again on the LoganBlackmanShow.com. The link's will be all over my social media pages because I want people to check it out again since we have a show coming out and we talked about it finally. So, yeah, I do hope you enjoyed the show. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, did. I don't think the show went as bad as I thought it was going to be. My mind was kind of all over the place when we started the show, but uh, I think it went really well, and I'm happy we did it. Took my mind off some stuff for a little bit. So, yeah, always good to do a Logan Blackman show, and I haven't done one consistently in a little bit, but it was nice to do one even though we didn't do one on Monday. And, yeah. Again, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you didn't, let me know why. I'm sorry if you didn't enjoy the show. Uh, congratulations to your teams for getting your quarterbacks figured out. Packers fans are getting Rodgers. Broncos fans are getting Russell Wilson. And congratulations to the Broncos are now being catapulted in the top three teams, or at least top five teams, in the NFL. So congratulations on that, even though I hate the Broncos. Kind of cool to see that. So, yeah, still got to get past Buffalo. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess the AFC runs through Cincinnati still technically. But, yeah. That's all I've got. Hope you enjoyed it. If not, sorry. We'll get better on the next show. <laughs> so check out MontDraft 2.0 on the LoganBlackmanShow.com. Follow me on all forms of social media again, and I will see you all later. Peace.